Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Well, for those of you that I don't know, my name is Kurt Bradford. Uh, I was pastor here for many years and uh, then was removed from office. And... uh, you know, they, every now and then they call me to come fill in. I think the philosophy is every now and then it's good to have an old guy come here and teach. You know, that uh, I was just thinking as Collar was making the announcements, there was nothing said about those of us who still have rotary phones, you know, that are using that sort of thing. So uh, praise God. Those of you that are my friends, uh, and I've known you for a long time now, I want to just give you one piece of just kind of uh, exciting news. My hair has started to grow back. It has, really, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's on my eyebrows and in my ears, and none of it is, none of it is on my head, so it's, it's not good. Well, we want to get into the Scripture today, if you would. Will you open your Bibles, please? We're in a series from the book of Ephesians. Today, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and Pastor Joe asked me to deal with the text that reads from cha- uh, chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. And so what I'd like to do is to read straight through the Scripture first and then to, to comment on it. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, would you mind standing? And we're going to put the, the Scripture on the, the uh, screen up there. And if you would, read it aloud with me. And read in your full voice. Don't use that little sissy voice, okay? Use your real voice. You ready? For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we come before you in Jesus' name, recognizing if it were not for Jesus, we couldn't come before you in prayer like we do. But you have opened the doors of heaven through Jesus. And you have allowed us who know Jesus to come before your throne this morning. And so, Lord, as I have prayed many times this morning and pray again today, I pray that you would use the teaching in the same way that you have used the worship and the music and the prayers. Use that to accomplish your kingdom purposes in us. For we do trust and believe that you are at work in us, transforming us, conforming us to the image of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. I pray now for my brothers and sisters who are gathered in this room, and I pray that you would do what you want to do individually and corporately in this church called River Bluff Church. And now if you would join me in praying the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Please be seated if you would. This uh, particular text here is... Uh, from the Apostle Paul written to the church at Ephesus. Now he actually uh, was instrumental in planting the church there with uh, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. And uh, he left Timothy there at one point and then there was another point in his ministry where Paul actually lived there for three years teaching the people all about the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, teaching the gospel, teaching them all of that. But when Paul's writing this letter, uh, he's not at some other church or some other place. He's in prison. He's actually in prison writing to the saints at this church in, in uh, Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he begins his whole text, uh, text here by saying in verses 15 and 16, he says, I heard about your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. It's kind of interesting here what uh, Paul heard about. Now, now, don't confuse that to mean Paul has never met them. He spent three years with them. But since he's left, what he's heard about is how much they have this great faith in Jesus. How much they really love Jesus. They, they trust you. They're not just trusting Jesus to go to heaven when they die. They're trusting Jesus to show them how to live before they die. And Paul has heard about it. And then he's also heard about their love for the saints. And notice it says, all the saints. And what he's talking about there is that he's saying, I heard about your love for Jesus and your love for the church. The capital C church. The one that transcends denominational lines. He says, I've heard about your church, that they really love Jesus, they really love, trust Jesus, and they really love other Christians and other disciples. Now, isn't that interesting? You know, today, one of the things that I do, for those of you that are, that are, that are new to me, uh, this church deployed me to be a, uh, a help. Uh, uh, I, I buy Starbucks. Uh, I, I listen to whatever. The other pastors, uh, just I, I spend my, my days praying for, listening to, talking to, whatever, with pastors. And it's kind of interesting because in our culture today, and I'm talking about the evangelical Protestant culture, in our culture today, the churches you hear about are the churches that, that are really big. Big. The churches that have a lot of people. Or the churches that have the coolest praise band. Or the churches that have a great children's program. Did you see what Paul heard about? I heard about your faith in Jesus and your love for all the saints. What size church do you have to be to have great faith in Jesus and love for all the saints? Yeah, I've, I've, I preach a lot at other churches. I preach to 10 people. And I preach to several thousand. There's no difference except their love for Jesus. It is entirely possible to be a church of 10,000 and not love Jesus. It's, it's entirely possible to be a church of 12 and have great faith. It's entirely possible to be a church of 12 that loves all the churches and all the saints. And that's what he's saying. And Paul says, I've heard that about you. 
They're not, they didn't have the biggest church. They didn't have the best preacher and none of those sort of things. But he says, I've heard about you and man, I am so thankful for you. Even today, when I, when I relate to other churches, I am thankful when I see those churches are developing Christ-likeness. When the members of those churches are becoming more like Jesus, and it doesn't matter how many there are, if they're becoming more like Jesus, they're on the right road. And God is using those kind of churches. And just like Paul, I thank God for that. But then in the next verse, he moves down and he says, I want you to know that I, don't, I never stop. That's what he says, I do not cease. He means I continually and regularly pray for you, for the church. He moves on saying, I'm praying for you. Now, the big idea that I really want you to leave with today is that you and I, we who are disciples of Jesus, we can pray Paul's prayers for the church, for this church. We can pray Paul's prayer for the church, for our families. We can pray Paul's prayers for the church for ourselves individually. You can literally pray this scripture for you, for your church, for your family, for your extended family, for other churches, for saints everywhere. You can pray these sort of things because we know that it's the will of God. You don't have to wonder if this is the will of God or not. It's in his word. So you already know it is the will of God for you to be praying. So you might want to know, well, what is it that Paul pray for? Did he pray that all the sick people would be well? Did he pray that people who didn't have a job would get a job? Uh, did, did he pray somehow that that guy that's mean to him at work will stop being mean to him? Did he pray that single people who wanted to be married would meet somebody? Did he pray for money? Did he pray people would be famous? Did he pray people would win the lottery? No. Look at what he prayed in verse, verse 17. That the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Here's what he's praying. Paul prays that this church will know God better. Hey, Cliff, how you doing? <laughs> uh, he prays that God would know, that they would know God better. He's praying, he says, this is how I pray for River Bluff Church, that you would know God better. I pray that you, now notice he didn't say that you would know about God. He said he wants you to know God himself, who has revealed himself, the ultimate revelation in Jesus Christ. And what he said is, I pray that you would know God better. I, I like to look at the other translations too. Here's what the New Living Translation, how it translates that particular verse. Paul says, I'm asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. And then the NIV, which I don't quote that often, but it did good on this one. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. See, this may sound like just minutiae, but it's not trivial. God doesn't want you to just know about him. He wants you to know him. How many of you have ever seen the movie Elf? Three? Are you kidding? How many of you have seen the movie Elf? Thank you. You remember that scene 
where Santa's about to come and they tell him everything and, and, and Will Ferrell goes, I know him. I know him. Well, that's what he's talking about here. Well, you can say, I know him. I really do know him. He's the Savior and Lord of my life. I know God. I, I study his word so that I can keep knowing more and more about him. And what he's saying is, he, he says, Paul is praying, I, I'm praying, Lord, asking that the church at Ephesus would know you and know you intimately. Know, know who you are and know what kind of God you are and all you've done and everything that's about you, your love, your mercy, your grace, all of those things. I'm praying that this entire church would know God and would know him intimately. But then in verses 18 and 19, here's what he prays. He says that you may know, that they may, their eyes be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope to which he has called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance and saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power told us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ. What he's saying here, and I kind of, this is kind of Kurt's interpretation. He's saying, listen, this is what I'd like to pray, Lord. I am praying that the church at Ephesus will understand that they will really get it. He says, I'm praying that their eyes will be enlightened, that, that, that they will be opened. One translation says, I pray that his light will flood into their very being, that they will have the light that comes from God so, so that they will not only know but understand. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I... Um, I flunked out of two fine colleges, Furman University and the University of South Carolina. I flunked out of both of them. And then the Army decided they wanted to use me for a while. So I was in the Army for a while. So when I went into the ministry, I had to go back to school because I believe I should prepare. So I went back to North Greenville University, which was a two-year school. And they required that you take a language. So I took Spanish. And, uh, and I took that language, you know, I'd had French in high school and didn't do too well there. So I figured I'll try Spanish. So I took Spanish and our Spanish teacher, the day before the test, would put the test on the board. She, she'd write the whole test out, I mean, verbatim. For those of you from Latin, that means word by word. <laughs> I would put it verbatim. She would put, and she'd put the entire thing. So all you had to do was go home and memorize what they, what they said, you know, I mean, what, what the answer. So the next day you go into the test, and if you, would, you know, remembered what it said, all you had to do was write into the blank, write the word down. I made an A in Spanish, and I left there knowing how to say, hola, quiero un burrito, which means, hi, I need a burrito. That's about it. That's all I, see, what I'd done was I knew enough to pass the test, but I didn't know Spanish. Do you get the, you get the metaphor there. You can, you can know all about God and know all, you can tell a God all, people all kind of stuff about God and not know God and not understand. Just not, just not what I call get it. You don't get it. You know, it's, it's the guy says, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church and everything. Well, how well do you know God? Well, pretty well. Pretty well. I'll never forget a good friend of mine once. Told, he heard that I was going to go back to college and back to seminary. He said, well, you don't need to do all that. He said, I can tell you everything you need to know about God. I said, oh, really? Now, he was from Union, so he didn't know nothing. <laughs> I said, what is it about? He said, here it is. Jesus loves me. 
This I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's all you need to know. I'm thinking that's kind of like saying all you need to know about astronomy is twinkle, twinkle, little star, and you're an astronomer. You know, no. Paul is saying, I don't want you to just know God and know about God. I want you to understand some things about God. Then he lists three things here. The first, and Paul prays that they will understand their hope. Understand their, their hope. He says, I'm, I'm praying that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. See, all of, all of our hope, hope is, uh, Tim Keller defines hope as being a confident expectation of something that has not happened yet, but you know will. See, our hope is in Jesus. Uh, my hope, my hope is not that somehow I'll be able to manage my sins well enough that on the day that I die, God will say, which is getting closer and closer, by the way, that, that I'm, I can't hope that sooner, that I'm living so well that God say, well, you know, you were okay. Come on in. You weren't so bad. Compared to Jeffrey Dahmer, you're not that bad. No, my hope is that Jesus is the Son of God. That he did die on the cross in my place. And that he was resurrected from the dead. And that his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension in heaven, I am trusting that that is enough. That's the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus is enough. I've told many people this before in, uh, at funerals a lot, is if God were to ask me, why should I let you into my heaven? I would grab the robe of Jesus and say, I'm with him. I'm with him. That's our hope. That's our hope for everything. Our hope is in Jesus. And it's not just our hope for eternity. It's our hope for tomorrow. The hope for this world is Jesus. The hope for this world is not that somehow we're all going to become better people. The hope for this world is not that we're going to legislate love. The hope for this world is that Jesus Christ one by one will come into people's lives and they will begin to learn how to live as Jesus would live if he were them. That's our hope. That's where our faith is. That's our hope. And God says, I hope you understand that. I really hope you understand that and grasp that. We hope that our faith is true and right. We hope that there is an afterlife. We hope that Jesus is enough. We hope that one day Christ is going to come. We hope that one day God is going to make everything right. And we wait with confident expectation of the hope of God. And what he's saying is, Ephesus, I hope you understand that. I hope you get it. I hope you understand that all of your hope is in God. But then he says a second thing. He prays that they will understand God's riches. This one's a little bit convoluted there in the Greek. But it's basically, there's two ways to understand it. One is that we will understand the resources of God. Just what is available in God. See, in God, and, and, and some of you that are having a hard time financially, we're not talking now about money. It may be what you need when you don't have any money is for God to teach you how to live without having a lot of money. 
Maybe, uh, maybe those of you that are needing all kind of things. What you really need is the riches of God, which are all the r- grace and mercy and love in the universe. All of the love of the universe. There's enough love in this room for all the world. Because Jesus is in you. That's the riches that live in you. You who are born again. God the Holy Spirit lives in you. All the riches of God are available in you. All the mercy, all the grace, all the love, all the forgiveness, all the kindness, all the joy. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of those are in you right now. That's why it's kind of foolish to pray for more patience. How much more patience could there be than the patience of God? It's all there. And he's, he's praying. He says, I hope that you understand that the riches of God are available to you who are his children. You're his child. You have in you the capacity to forgive. You have in you the capacity to be content. You have in you the capacity to love even the unlovely. It's all in you. And God's, and Paul's saying, I really want that church to understand that. The last thing he says, though, is he says, I pray that they will understand God's power. That's an interesting word. It's the Greek word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from it. It's basically, dynamite is typically the power to destroy. But what he's saying here is the power, he says, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that is at work in you. And so, so those of you who say, boy, God sure can't change me. He sure got a handful when he got me. You know what they call that? Pride. It sounds like humility, but it's actually pride. Do you really think God can't change you? Do you really believe God can't fix things, including you and me? See, the power of God is God's power to transform people like us into people who can change the world. You know, I, I look back, uh, we, we've got some friends from my hometown of Union that are here this week. And one of the pastors, by the way, that, that I work with is at a church in Union. He and his wife are here this week, going to be at the second service. But anyway, I, I was talking with him. He, 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 on, he said, you know, everybody in Union doesn't remember you as a preacher. And I said, well, you know, those are the people that knew me, you know, before Jesus. You know, BJ time, before Jesus time. Because the truth is, there is no way I could look back at my life before Christ and say, boy, he got a good one there. You know, I I am living proof that God can hit straight licks with crooked sticks. God takes people like us. People like us with all of our greed and our lust and our pride and our selfishness. All, all of the stuff that we have, he can take us most of all. One of the things that uh, is going on lately, you know, a lot of, a lot of us are, we have, we're really skilled at pointing out other people's sins. We have a gift for that. But it didn't come from the Holy Spirit. What God says is, listen, I really want you to know that Jesus Christ, 
when he comes into your life, that he has the power to change your life. And Jesus does it from the inside out. See, most of us want to focus on doing before being. The being is when you become born again, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ, and God comes into your heart and begins changing you from the inside out, conforming you to the image of Christ. And it doesn't happen all at one time. God works on you the way that he thinks he needs to work on you. You know, uh, that's why it's really hard for us to, I mean, it's really kind of, forgive me, stupid, to point out other people's sins and want to know why they don't stop. You just want to look and say, well, why don't you stop where he's doing, you know, what you're doing? You know, it's kind of interesting that adulterers point out the sins of liars. A couple of my good friends that I had part of their lives when they were in prison told me that there's a hierarchy in prison. You know, that murderers and drug dealers are up here while child molesters, they're down here. So, so get this now. Here, sometimes when you say something out loud and it sounds stupid, it probably is. The murderer thinks he's a better person than the child molester. They both are sinful. It's both sin. It's both destructive. You see, what God is saying here is that Jesus Christ can turn a child molester into a, a person who serves Jesus. God can take a murderer and turn him into a person who serves Jesus. God can take a drug dealer. See, I have some friends who believe that, you know, certain drugs, if you're hooked on certain drugs, there's no way you'll get off. Well, if you're trusting in the power of earth, you're right. But if you're trusting in the power of God, God can set you free, no matter what it is that has held you in bondage. And that's what he's saying right here. He's saying all of those things to us. It's, it's that kind of, of power. And that kind of power doesn't come by, you know, praying real hard. You know, well, maybe if I pray on my knees, I'll get that power. Or, you know, maybe, maybe if I close my eyes real tight. That kind of power comes from praying and asking for the Holy Spirit. The power to change doesn't come from trying real hard. The power to change comes from submitting your life to the Holy Spirit. You know, right now, every, every morning, I pray for something that's called a UPG. It stands for Unreached People Group. I have an app on my phone. And it shows me an unreached people group around the world. Today, I, I prayed for a, a people group that came out of Myanmar but live in Malaysia. And I've never, I'd never heard the name of the people group ever in my life before. And I, w I felt somewhat helpless. And then the Lord f uh, kind of reminded me. He said, well, use the power you have. Pray for them. Pray that their eyes will be opened. Pray that they will hear the truth of the gospel. Pray that God will use dreams and visions. One of my good buddies is a guy named John Brady, who's a vice president of the International Mission Board. And John tells me, you wouldn't believe how many people will, that uh, have come to some of the people that they know are Christians and said, you know, last night I had a dream and it was about, it was this man with, that looked uh, like a fellow that named Jesus. And he told me to come ask you, do you know this Jesus person? Dreams and visions. God uses whatever he wants to use. 
But we're limited to think that if there isn't a body there talking to somebody, that they won't get saved. God says, I can use anything. Remember, God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. So God says, I'm doing all of this in your life. You who are believers in Jesus Christ, God, God has given you so much. He's given you hope. He's given you riches. He's given you power. All of those kind of things. But here, here's my um, curse opinion. I don't think we know what we have. Or, or I think we know a little bit about what we have. You know, I was looking at the words to the hymns, I mean the songs that we sang. He says, uh, heal my heart in Hosanna. Do you think the people in Jerusalem knew what was going on when Jesus came in on the donkey? I don't think so. I think they didn't have a clue. But they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. I think it's entirely possible for Christians to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna. And not know exactly what you've got. Here's, here's the words. Heal my heart and make it clean. Get this one now. Open up my eyes to the things that are unseen. Wow, does that sound like Paul's, Paul's prayer? That's what we're praying. That We sang the Revelation song. I like this, the one verse. Clothed in rainbows of living color. Flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, blessing and honor and strength and glory and power be to you, the only one who is king. That's talking about God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation, the creator. He's not just the God of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. And then in Cornerstone, I hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone. Christ alone. Are you saved? Jesus Christ, period. Not Jesus Christ plus. Jesus Christ. He is Lord. Lord of all. That's why I think one of the things that we're having to learn now, even, even in churches that I love, like River Bluff, you have no idea how much I love this people called River Bluff. But I'm, I'm not sure that most of us really know what we have in Christ. I remember a Christmas, one Christmas, when uh, my grandkids, I have five grandkids, and uh, my son and my daughter, and son and daughter by marriage, we were all together for Christmas, and we have this big deal where we get all together, and we open one gift at a time, we go around, it takes forever, you know, but we go around, and everybody opens a gift, you know, and I opened my gift, and I didn't know what it was. It looked, it looked like technology of some sort, because there was something to plug in in the back, but I didn't have whatever it was that you plug into the back. It was just, it was just this thing. And uh, everybody in the room knew what it was. They all knew that. And so they began to watch, you know, this old man trying to figure out what the heck did I get, you know. But then, I, I, you know, you have to be grateful just in case it's the youngest grandchild that gave it to you and you're saying, oh, I, I don't have one of these. This is, this is great. Okay, well, let's, you know, moving on, you know. But then they just continued to laugh. Everybody's laughing, and they're laughing at me. And I'm trying, finally, you know, then finally my wife told me, she said, well, it's only part one of a two, no, three-part gift. And what it was, uh, it was, uh, I think uh, Kyla referred to it earlier, it was a modem. 
Because at that time, now this is back in the dark ages. They used to have things called typewriters and phones and all that. But it was a modem. And it was a modem that would allow me to use my computer anywhere in the house without plugging the computer into the modem. Do any of y'all remember those days? Yeah, and so that's what it was. And then so later they gave me the computer and they gave me the other stuff. It was really cool. But I didn't know what I had whenever they gave, as I'm opening the gift, I really didn't know what it was. Now, what I'm suggesting to you, the metaphor is, when you got saved and the Holy Spirit came into your life, you just began to know what you had. It was, it was really just the beginning of knowing exactly what it was that you had. Because in that moment when you were born again, you were transformed from a person with no hope to a person with hope. From a person who did not have access to the riches of God except in his common grace... And you were a person who was not actually living in the power of the Holy Spirit. You were living in the power of the earthly power, fleshly power. But God gave all of that to you. But, but it's something that has to be opened. It's something that we have to, to know more about. We have to know God and we have to learn what it is that we have. One of, one of my favorite stories, uh, it's a preacher story, uh, is about this uh, farmer that was a chicken farmer and he found an eagle's egg and he put the eagle's egg in the nest of one of his hens so there's like four chicken eggs and one eagle's egg and when finally all the eggs hatched you know one of them was odd looking and there are three or four little chickens and then there was this little baby eagle and this little eagle kept looking around and saw his, the hen, mama. That's mama. And then he started watching the other chickens. And the other chickens kind of just spent the whole day pecking at the ground, hunting, hunting for bugs, trying to find where there are bugs. And every now and then the farmer would come and throw some seed or something for them to eat. But most of the day the chickens spent clucking and pecking in the ground, trying looking for bugs. And every now and then, one of them would try to fly. And they'd make it about, about a foot and a half. That's about as far as they could fly. And so all these, these chickens are like that. And about, you know, a little while goes by. And after a while, they get a little bit bigger. And one day, an eagle flies over. And it's low enough that all the chickens can see it. And of course, all the chickens are looking up at that eagle. And watching this eagle soar. Just fly strong, mighty, powerful. And the little eagle said, man, I, I really wish I could be one of those. And the other chicken said, well, you're not. You're a chicken. So get over it. So the eagle turned around and began digging for worms. See, you're an eagle. You're an eagle. The Spirit of God lives in you. You're part of God's plan to change the world. You're one of those people who actually has the power to live differently. You're one of those people that could actually make a difference 
in a world that seems to need people who can make a difference. You're one of them. You're one of them. But you may be spending your life, I apologize for the metaphor, like a chicken. Just kind of pecking at the ground, hoping that it'll be a successful day if you just find three or four bugs on the ground and not really living up to who you really are. See, the Bible says when you become God's, you are a child of God. Joe talked about that. That's who you are. You're a saint. You're a holy one. You're salt and light. You're God's child. And you have been saved and sent into a world that needs salt and light and healing and grace and mercy and love in whatever context you are. I love the way Dallas Willard says, here's what he says. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. That's you. That's you. That's why I believe what we've got to do, and I'm talking about we as those of us that are part of River Bluff Church. I think we need to be praying faithfully this year as often as God brings it to mind. I do it every Saturday morning. But we need to be praying prayers like Paul's for River Bluff. So we'll know who we are. So we'll know what we are. And how would it look like? Now here's what I want to recommend to you. Is that what you do is you insert the word River Bluff Church where Paul has Ephesus or the word you. Here's what it would look like. Did I put that on a slide? Yeah. Here's what you would look like to do that. We pray. Read this aloud with me, would you? That way wake up some of you. Ready? We pray that the God of our Lord Jesus, I can't hear you. We pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give River Bluff Church the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which he has called us, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his might. See, you can pray that for this church. Pastor Joe and the elders of our church would be most grateful if you would pray this prayer regularly and faithfully for this church, for for the corporate body called the church. But you can also pray it personally. And here's what it would look like. Again, read with me if you don't mind. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give me the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of my heart enlightened, that I may know what is the hope to which he has called me, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward me as one who believes, according to the working of his great might. Those of you that are parents, pray this for your children. Insert your children's names in there. Those of you that are grandparents, pray for your grandchildren. 
and put their names in there. Those of you praying for yourself, this is a prayer. You, you know God wants this to happen in your world. Can, it, can you imagine what would happen if, if the people of River Bluff Church regularly and faithfully prayed this? Prayed it for this church. What would happen, I think, is not that everybody would hear about uh, what a great pastor Pastor Joe is or how great the praise team is or what a cool building they have or any of that kind of stuff. That they, People would hear and they say, you know, those people at River Bluff Church, they believe Jesus a lot. They have a lot of faith in Jesus and they love all of the saints of God. You see, one of the things that's going to have to happen in the church, Kurt's opinion, in the 21st century is we've got to, love to le learn to love one another before we can learn to love those who are outside the family of God. We've got to learn to do that, people. We really do. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father and our God, I praise you and I thank you for your presence and your power. Uh, I thank you for everything that you're teaching us through your word, not, not through preachers, but through your word, I, I thank you. God, I give, I give thanks for this congregation, and I remember them and Pastor Joe in my prayers. I ask you, Lord, that, that you, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are the Father of glory. Would you give River Bluff Church a spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that they would know you better? Would you open the eyes of their hearts, shine the light in their Lord? So that they can know what is the hope that you've called them to. What is the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. God, and please open our eyes to the immeasurable greatness of your power towards those of us who believe in Jesus. And help us to wonder, not to wonder, but to imagine that same power at work in us to transform us to change us from the inside out and then to deploy us into this community and into this world to make a difference, to changing people's lives. God, this is my prayer and I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.